open your Bibles now to Hebrews chapter 11, and thank you, Savannah, so much for reading God's Word to us. If you are new to Manoa Community Church, we are going verse by verse through the book of Hebrews in a preaching series entitled Faith. Now, the whole Bible is about strengthening our faith, but the book of Hebrews in particular is a book where there are Hebrew Christians who believe in Jesus, Jewish Christians who are tempted to give up on their faith. So the whole book shows the supremacy, the glory of Jesus, why we're to cling to Jesus and his promises. And then in chapter 11, the author goes through a list of all the heroes of the faith, all of these Old Testament saints, and shows what's commendable about their faith. And so this has allowed us as a church to look at all of these characters and also sweep through the Old Testament together and get a broad sweep of the old covenant people of God. And today we're looking, as you already heard from the kids' story, at the life of Joseph. Now, this has been a trilogy of sorts because here in verses 20, 21, and 22, we've looked at the life of Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph. And the author is focusing not so much on their faith while they were living, but on their faith while they were dying. All three of them at the very end of their lives, how they exercised faith. And so today I'm going to be preaching verse 22. There'll only be two points, kids, so it'll be a shorter message. But also, I just want to read verses 1 and 2 to set up this text. Go to verses 20 to 22 to read the unit together, and then I will pray for us. Follow along in verse 1, which will also be on the screens if you'd like, or there are Bibles in the pew. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. He goes into the people of old. Now, here in verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. That was at the end of his life. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of of his staff. Those were his kids, Ephraim and Manasseh, blessing them at the end of his life. Now hear verse 22. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. I've entitled today's message, The End of Faith. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the great gift of faith. We thank you for the great gift of faith, not only in our living, but also in our dying. And Lord, we thank you whether we are young in the sanctuary or we are nearing the end of our lives, Lord, you are with us to the very end and even through death, you are with us. And God, I pray that each one of us, including those of us in our younger years, would contemplate the end of our lives so that we would live faithfully in the present day, in where you meet us today. Help us to experience the end or the purpose of our faith, which is to glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was a kid, there was a popular movie out called Forrest Gump. Now, kids, you're too young to watch this movie now (laughs) when you get a little older. But it starts with the character sitting on a bench waiting for the bus, and he has a box of chocolates. And he offers it to the woman next to him, who politely declines. And he's a little bit of an awkward character, this Forrest Gump. But he opens the box of chocolates and he says to the woman and to the viewers, you know, my mama always said, 
life was like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. And the whole movie then goes through it where you see his life play out, the good times, the high times, the low times, and all of it, and you see the purposes writ into it of all this providence, though it doesn't say it explicitly, God's workings in his life, the purpose of life. But as we think about today's message today, that affected me because it says at the end of his life, Joseph exercised faith and talked about his bones and the exodus. We'll talk about that in a minute, but this is the end of his life, and wherever we are in our lives, our lives are unpredictable. And Joseph's story, the story of his life models that. He has some of the highest highs that any of us could ever hope for. He becomes second in command in one of the greatest nations on earth back then in Egypt. He also has some of the lowest lows where he's enslaved and wrongly imprisoned. I mean, that's quite a spectrum, wouldn't you agree? You don't know what you're going to get. But in the good times and the bad times, God was with Joseph. And I, I love how the Holy Spirit, whoop, <laughs> I knew that was going to happen, kick that out of the way. I love how the Holy Spirit organizes the service because I didn't know what everybody was going to share today. I mean, even Diane wanted to share her testimony last week. And I said, we got a lot of testimonies. Let's do it the next week. Thank you, Lord, because it plays right into today's sermon. John gets up here wanting to read Psalm 23 before he knew that we were going to sing Psalm 23. The Holy Spirit is at work. God is at work in the details of our worship service and in the details of your life, in the good times and the bad times. And the end of our faith the purpose of our faith is to prove that to us so that we won't doubt God's goodness in the hard times. And we won't give up on God, nor in the prosperous times will we think, I did this through my own work and effort, right? Both are temptations. Good times and bad times can tempt us to walk away from God. But the life of Joseph shows us how to be faithful in both. And there's two simple points I want to... Uh, go over in today's message from this one verse. In the end, the end of his life, right? In the end, we learn from Joseph's life. In the end, first, God's goodness always wins. And secondly, God's promises never die. Now, kids, to keep you engaged, I want you to say the last word with me. You ready? I want you to say the word win. So in the end, God's goodness always wins. You ready? Say the word wins. In the end, God's goodness always wins. Let's try it again. In the end, God's goodness always wins. And in the end, God's promises never hit the word die. You ready? In the end, God's promises never die. They never die. And so let's look at these from Joseph's life. First, in the end, God's goodness always wins. Here we go. We see in verse 22 the character of Joseph put before us at the end of his life. Joseph lived a long life. He lived 110 years. Goodness me. They lived longer back then, but praise God. He was old by that time, too, and we still can live that long today. But Joseph lives 110 years, and as I already said, he had some good times and bad times. And different moments mark his life, and different places mark his life. Did you ever notice how different, maybe people change your life, places change your life? I've been changed by Fort Lauderdale, living there seven and a half years. Well, Joseph's life was changed by a place called Shechem. 
Now, Shechem is a place where, in Genesis 12, God gave his promises to Abraham. He went into the promised land of Shechem, and God said, I'll make you a prosperous nation, lots of kids, lots of land. Look around you. It's all yours, Abraham. But he never lived to get the land, and he only had one kid by the time he died. But he still believed God's promises. Now, Joseph, as we heard, had these dreams. He was the youngest son of these 12 brothers, and he had a dream that, all these sheaves, these wheat and barley, these, these crops would bow down to him. And then also he saw 12 stars, kids, and the sun and the moon bowing down before him. And he had these dreams, and he shared it with his brothers, and he shared it with his mom and his dad. And the picture of the 12, they didn't miss the details. There's 12 of them and 12 sheaves and 12 stars, and the sun and the moon are mom and dad. They're all bowing down to him, and they said, you little jerk. Who do you think you are? You think you're so special? Come on. Joseph's dad really loved him too because he was one of the youngest kids and the son of his wife, Rebecca, who had a hard time having children. And so, I love it. Amen. And so, he actually did really love Joseph kind of the most. Kids, we're not supposed to have favorites. Sometimes parents secretly do, but this dad didn't keep it a secret. He actually gave him a special coat of many colors. His brothers were jealous. And one day, he was supposed to go find his brothers who were out tending the sheep. And he couldn't find them. And they said, oh, they're over in Shechem. And so he goes over to Shechem, remember the same place where God first made those promises. And they see him coming from afar and they say, here comes the dreamer. Let's get rid of him. 11 brothers doesn't sound so bad right now. Right? And so they, they sadly, they beat him up. And some of them think, let's even kill him. Reuben, the oldest brother, says, no, we shouldn't do this. And he intends to set him free. But instead, some people come. They sell him into servanthood and slavery in Egypt. And so he gets into Egypt. And now... He's out of the promised land. He's far from Shechem. He's far from his family. And he's working at a man's house, Potiphar. And God was with him even in that place, even in that worst of the worst job and elevated him to the head of the household so that Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything. He just managed everything for him. But Potiphar's wife liked him and kept trying to uh, kiss him and hug him. <laughs> and he wouldn't do it. And so she made a lie up about him that he tried to kiss her and hug her even though she didn't want it. And she even grabbed his coat and he ran away and she held it and showed it to her husband and said, look what this servant of yours did to me. He tried to kiss me and hug me. He said, what? My wife? Get him out of here and throw him into prison. So now he went from slavery into prison. And in prison, there's two people that have dreams in there. And he interprets their dreams and they become true. And he says, when you get out of prison, because they used to work for Pharaoh, tell them about me and let them get me out of here. Well, they forget about him. For years, he's in prison, but God is with them, even in prison. And one day, one of them is talking to Pharaoh and Pharaoh has dreams and no one could interpret the dreams. And he says, wait a minute, I remember this guy in prison who interpreted my dreams he could do it. And so they get Joseph out of prison, shave him, clean him up, put some new clothes on him, bring him to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh has a dream. 
He says that there were all these skinny plows, these fat cows, and they ate them up, and they were still skinny, and all these dreams like this, and these, these corn where some are plump and some are like dead. You ever get corn where it's like all gnarly, right, and you can't eat the corn, right? And the, plump, or the, the skinny ones, the gross corn ate the fat ones, and he's like, I have no idea what this means. There's seven of each, and Joseph said, God has revealed it to me. There's going to be seven years of plenty, meaning there's rain, there's crops, there's food. And then there's going to be a drought that hits the land. So bad, there's going to be no rain, no crops, no food, no nothing. And God is revealing this to you beforehand to get ready. And so you got to get ready for this and store up extra right now so that one day when there's nothing, we have food to live on. you got to put somebody in charge of this. And the king, Pharaoh, who's in charge of Egypt says, I have an idea. You do it. God's clearly with you. I'll put you in charge. You're basically like me, like the king. You report to me, but everybody reports to you, Joseph. Wow. He went from a servant to prison to the second in command, like the vice president of the United States of America. And in four years, he didn't have to leave, right? He gets married, starts having kids, and it plays out just like they said. Seven years, they store up everything. They look like geniuses. And then there's no food. Not only in Egypt, there's no food back in Shechem. There's no food back in the promised land. There's no food back with the sons of Israel. And so they go... And they say, I hear there's food in Egypt. And so they go to Egypt, and I have to summarize it to keep this moving. But this is what happens. The brothers go to Egypt. They don't recognize Joseph because he's all big and mighty and dressed like an Egyptian now. And eventually, they discover and they find out it's him, and they're shaking in their boots because they're like, this is the brother that we sold into slavery in Egypt. And they told their dad he died, but he's really alive. And they think, he's going to get us now. He has all this power. He has all this might. He has the Egyptian army. He could squash us like a bug. But instead, Joseph invites them into the promised land. All 70 of them at this point, right? There's 70. The whole family, including dad, comes in, and he takes care of them. They move into the land of Goshen. They're shepherds. Egyptians don't like shepherds, so they just say, you guys go over there and enjoy the fields. Take care of our sheep too, P-U, right? They just send them over there. And for the rest of his life, not only does Joseph live in power, prominence, and wealth in Egypt, but his whole family is sitting pretty under his care. Until his dad dies, and the brothers think, oh shoot, (laughs) this is what we saw in Genesis 50. Was Joseph really forgiven us? Is Joseph really okay with us, or is he just treating us all right until dad dies, and then the hammer's going to come down, then the vengeance will come out, then he's going to wipe us out. And this is what he says at the end of his life, and this applies not only to his life, but all of ours. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now listen to this. He didn't say What you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. No, he said that there were two purposes at work in the very same events, meaning the very things that they meant to hurt him with was the very thing that God meant to save them with. And you say, how could that be? 
How could people be doing evil, mean things in the world and God could still be good and have a good purpose behind it? And I'm so thankful for Diane's testimony early because we get a snapshot of that where you say, how could that fall turn out for good? And they discovered an aneurysm. Kids, that means that she could have died, but God saved her because the doctors found it because she fell. God was doing something special. And sometimes in life, we don't get to see it that clearly. The thing about Joseph's life and the story of Jesus, by the way, we could say Judas betrayed Jesus. Satan gave Jesus over. All Herod and Pilate, they did all these evil things. They were wicked men. But God meant it for good. And we look at that so crystal clear. We look at Joseph's life. It's so crystal clear. We say God is good. People are evil. It all works out. But sometimes in our lives, it's a lot more fuzzy. We don't see how this could ever be good. But that's where faith comes in to say, I don't walk by my sight and seeing everything. It might not always play out even in my lifetime. It might happen in a future that I don't get to live to see. But faith sees it in his life and what he said in God's word and in Jesus, in all of these stories, and said, if that is true of the God that I worship, then that is true of God in my life as well. Amen? That in the end, you ready, kids? In the end, God's goodness always wins. In the end, God's goodness always wins. Evil never wins. And in the end of your Bibles, we see there's a big battle, a spiritual battle in the world. But God is the victor, and if you believe in him, you have victory in him and in his name, okay? In the end, God's goodness always wins. Secondly, in the end, God's promises never die. You ready? In the end, God's promises never die. Verse 22, he says, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Again, in chapter 50, he's nearing the end of his life. He not only forgives his brothers, saying what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God's goodness trumps and triumphs over evil in our lives. But also, his promises never die. This is what he means. He's 110 years old, boys and girls. He's 110 years old, and he is sitting like a prince of Egypt. He's probably living in a castle, right? I don't know what they have. You know, they're ready to embalm him, probably put him into one of those pyramids. Do you see what the Egyptians did? They, like, buried people with wealth, with all of their gold, for all this stuff for the afterlife. We still find their mummies to this day, right? And all of the jewels and everything. I mean, we are still finding these things in Egypt. But Joseph says, when I die here, don't leave my bones here. Don't leave me in that coffin. Don't leave me with all that wealth. Don't leave me in the pyramids. I don't want it. When you guys get out of here, remember, they got it all right now. Things are looking good, right? They're, they're related to Joseph, right? He says, don't stay here. Because God did not promise Egypt to us. He promised Shechem, Jerusalem. He promised that other area. He promised the, the land of Canaan to us. And I don't want my bones sitting here like this is heaven. 
Like this is my final home. And so that promise that God made to Abraham, his great-great-great-great-grandfather, was hundreds of years earlier. Like hundreds, three, four hundred years earlier. And listen, boys and girls, when they get out of Egypt, the book of Exodus, where God raises up Moses and their slaves, that's hundreds of years later too. Separated by hundreds of years, his bones are sitting in Egypt. And God raises up Moses when they're, they forgot about Joseph. There's a new Pharaoh. They're building all the stuff now. They have to make bricks without straw. Their life is miserable. They're groaning. God raises up Moses to deliver them, part the Red Seas. And before they leave, you know what they grab? They grab his bones. They take his bones out of that coffin and they carry it into the promised land just like he asked them to do. And Moses doesn't get to bury his bones because he doesn't get to enter into the promised land. And so Joshua is now in charge. Now Joshua has his bones. And as they enter into the promised land, the people of God take his bones and do you know where they bury them? They bury them in Shechem. <sighs> Hundreds of years later, the very place where he was sold into slavery and stolen away from the promises of God and stolen away from his family and stolen away from the people of God. They say, you are back, Joseph. We are putting you back into the promises of God. And that's exactly where Joseph wants to be. And you can go visit his tomb to this day in Shechem. And that's the very same spot where Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, where Joshua says to the people of God, choose this day whom you will serve. Do you want to serve Egypt or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God? And he says, as for me and my kids, kids, listen up, because they were tempted. Egypt looks pretty cool the world sometimes dazzles us, the TVs and Hollywood and our friends have cool stuff. And we say, I don't know about God's promises. Maybe this is better. He says, as for me at that very spot, as for me and my house, standing over the bones of Joseph, we will serve the Lord. And moms and dads hear this loud and clear. We say that not only our, over our lives, we say that over our children and our household. Amen? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? And that very spot Jacob had bought for 100 pieces of silver, he had a well right there in Shechem. And thousands of years later, Jesus would come to that very well and talk to a Samaritan woman who was fighting about whether to mount worship, him or worship Jesus in Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. She said, woman, that doesn't matter anymore. Because the final promise of God, the promise of the Messiah, the promise of the Savior that they had been waiting for for thousands of years had not died. His name has a name, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And he said, if you believe in me, you will never die. And you will have water flowing in your soul. Rivers of living water. You'll never go thirsty forever and ever and ever. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Places change our lives. Shechem 
It's a place where God's promises, all the way from Abraham to Jesus, proved true. Joseph didn't forget that in his life, and he didn't forget that in his dying. May we, boys and girls, moms and dads, in this life and in the next, have our hope placed in heaven. Have our hope placed in Jesus. Because in the end, boys and girls, goodness always wins. You ready? In the end, goodness always wins. And in the end, God's promises never die. Amen. Let's pray and stand and worship the Lord together.